So we're uh, continuing our summer series again, and again, thank you, Jamie, so much for, for these amazing uh, posters that you made, and Wayne with the graphics. I, I know it's uncool to actually say who did these things, but we have some incredible people in this church who are very talented, very gifted, and are doing amazing things uh, for the, the kingdom of God. Also, we have a new usher today. Uh, Cheryl Grunenfelder is a new usher on the team, so if you see Cheryl working and, and being busy and, and doing all those things, please just thank her for what she's doing. In fact, anyone, if they're children's usher, greeter, coffee bar, just thank them for what they're doing. We're we so blessed by so many people in this church. But today we're, we're continuing our series, Post-it Notes from God, the idea that God has these little messages, these notes for us throughout our day, and he gives us the messages by his word. He gives us these little notes by his Holy Spirit. Don't you know he speaks to us through each other, right, through the body of Christ? And in the month of June, I, I really did enjoy looking at God's passion for his creation. I, I said this every week that the creator misses his creation, that he misses them and he wants them back. We looked at God's pursuing love, how he does not give up on us, that he diligently seeks us, and that he's really good at pursuing us, but he's also really, really good at what? Finding us. If you missed any of those weeks, I'd encourage you to go online, take a listen. Now, thanks to the amazing work of Tucker Mayer, who's in the back. Tucker, would you wave your hand? Now, because of Tucker, you can actually watch the services, which is incredible. Thank you, Tucker. But today, we're transitioning into this biblical reality that God loves us. He misses us and he loves us. And, and we're going to see the evidence of God's love demonstrated in numerous ways over the next five weeks. We're going to see these various demonstrations of his love. We're going to see that he shows us his love by giving us the gift of his word. The word which again and again and again and again reveals his love for us. He shows us his love by spending time with us. We're going to do a message on how he abides with us and we abide with him. How he is the, he is the vine and we are the branches. He shows us this love by the fact that Jesus, he ascended to heaven, but when he ascended to heaven, what did he do? He went and asked the Father and asked the Father to send the the Holy Spirit. Look at the love of God that he would send the Comforter, to send one who would help us and teach us and lead us. He shows his love by his willingness to actually be involved in our day-to-day life, that by the Holy Spirit, he convicts us, he disciplines us, he trains us and corrects us all because he loves us. And finally, we're going to discover that out of God's great love for us, he did not just leave us on this earth. He did not abandon us just for ourselves, to live by ourselves, to destroy ourselves. No, he is actually a loving, active, involved God who one day is coming back as the king. Do you believe that? Out of his love for us, the king is coming back. And so that's what this next month is going to look like. And I, I think we're all going to enjoy the upcoming weeks. We're going to be encouraged as we dive into these scriptures. God's love for us, we've got to understand this, is more than just this ethereal idea, some kind of idea that's floating out there that has no actual bearing on our lives on this earth. I, I think we need to grow in our appreciation that God's love for us, it is tangible, it is real, it's a thing of substance. And it's also powerful. And if we receive his love over the next several weeks, I believe, church, we will be changed forever. So this morning, our focus is God's amazing word. That because God loves us, he feeds us. Because God loves us, oh, does he feed us. Mm, what book of the Bible is that? <laughs> But the post-it note would say this, I love you and I've 
packed you a lunch. <laughs> See, out of God's love for us, he has not called us to fend for ourselves. He actually feeds us. He gives us nourishment by his word. As Christians, that's what we believe, right? We, we believe this about his word. Now, now, this gift of feasting on the word, it's in addition to the other food that he provides for us. It is incredible when you consider the nourishment that God has provided for us on this earth. You see his provision in the nourishment of nuts and berries, of the animals, the water, the sun, and the rain. It really is amazing when you think about all that God has provided for us. The food to eat and the water to drink. Have you ever had one of those moments where you're, you're just kind of overwhelmed by it all, blown away by it? Maybe you're hiking in a national park. Maybe you're camping along a river. Or maybe it's, you're, you're harvesting the vegetables that you grew in your garden. And, and there's this moment where it all just kind of overwhelms you. Right? My God, my God made all of this. He made this to take care of me, to provide for me. It can be a quite moving experience. If you haven't had that experience, it might be time to stop and smell the roses. God made them, and it's pretty amazing. Most of you know I'm a biology major, and one of my favorite parts of studying biology is diving into the diverse ecosystems of this earth. Discovering the complexity of these ecosystems, how all the various plants and the animals, they work together, they interact with each other, they are affected by each other. Think about the relationships, the predator-prey relationship or the symbiotic relationships, these ecosystems where each part is dependent upon the other part and, and it's the only way that the entire system would work. Or think about the sun. Have you ever just been kind of blown away by the sun and the, the exact location of the sun and, and, and the energy that it produces, the heat that it produces, the light that it produces? The sun is incredible. The life, think of just the life that is made possible because of the sun. The sun shines and the lights, they capture that light energy, they turn it into chemical energy. Plants, they're these incredible producers, but then this world is also full of consumers, right? We have the, car the herbivores who eat the plants, and then we have the carnivores who eat the animals, and then we have the, the omnivores, which maybe describes some of us who would eat some of the plants and some of the animals. You have the scavengers. The scavengers go around and they eat the dead animals. You have the decomposers who eat and they break down the waste products. If you've ever been in a biology class, they always love to gross you out if we did not have decomposers, right? If you did not have decomposers on this world, you would just be surrounded by plant and animal filth and waste. But each organism plays their part to make this world function in the way it does. God, he's just brilliant in the way that he has created this world. But remember, this world that he created, he created for you and for me. It's been created for us to take care of, for us to cultivate, for us to farm, for us to harvest. He's provided to us this world, giving us all that we need, and he's given us charge to be good stewards of it and to take care of it. Listen to what he says. The sixth day of creation. I'm going to read you the sixth day. The sixth day is beautiful. We find it in Genesis chapter 1, verse 24. Then God said, Let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind, livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground, and wild animals. And that is what happened. Isn't that great that after God says it, it happens? God is so good. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God, he saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and he said, Man and woman, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and the animals that scurry along the ground. And then God said, Look, I have given you every seed-bearing plant throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. And I have given every green plant as food for all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all that he had made and he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. Look how God has provided for us. God has given us everything that we need. But then Deuteronomy, this is only five books later. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. We hear this. Read it with me. People do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. People do not live on bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So as much as we find our nourishment in the things that God has created for us and provides for us, that's not enough. Yes, bread is good, nuts and fish and berries are good, but it's not enough. Listen, church, true godly living is found not in bread alone, rather by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that the word of God the message that comes from the heart of our Heavenly Father is your food, yes. your provision. Yes. For us as Christians, if we want to live the life that God has called us to live, the one we were destined to live, it is only possible if the Word becomes our bread. But just like the natural food we consume, how often do we consume it? Do we just consume it once, like 10, 20 years ago? Eat that power bar and chomp through the next 30 years of our life. No, we consume that food every day. And God's word must be consumed every day. The word of God, God's message must become our daily bread. When the Israelites were in the desert... God provided for them. Anyone remember what it was called? Manna. It was a daily manna, except for the day that was before the Sabbath when they could collect twice as much so they could rest on the Sabbath. Every other day, you could not store the manna. Remember that? It was only good for that day. Remember some people, they tried to store the manna. And then the next day, it had maggots. And the Bible says it began to smell. It was to be a daily manna, a daily nourishment. God wanted his people to rely on him daily, coming to him for nourishment and provision, not just every once in a while, not just once back in your past, but every day. You know, as true as it was for manna from heaven, God designed it to be this way with his word. The word of God is not just a one and done deal. It is something to be read, or it's not to be something that's read like a good literary novel that once you read it, you never have to read again. So if I came to you and said, hey, have you been reading your Bible? And your answer was, nah, I've already read that. That would be an incorrect answer. <laughs> <laughs> that would 
That's not how we engage the Bible. The Bible is not just merely a good novel or an historical text. It is the living word of God. And it needs to be engaged with and interacted with each and every day. Many Christians need to wake up to this reality. If you want to give me a panic attack, it's just the lack of people running to the word of God. And yet then I hear the complaints from human beings who are trying to live the Christian life without the word of God helping them live the Christian life. You are destined for destruction. That will never, ever, ever, ever work. Have you noticed... Man, there's just so many things I could say right now. But have you noticed that we are living in interesting times? I'm just going to keep it at that. If there was ever a time to be feasting on the word, not just once, but every day, I think it would be now. Do you know who else lived in interesting times? The Apostle Paul. He lived during a time when you would go to the temple of the goddess and you'd have sex with the temple prostitute. He lived in a time when people, they would have their babies, but if it was an unwanted baby, they would abandon the baby, allowing them to die from exposure from the elements. He lived at a time when it was sport and entertainment to see a man fight to the death against other men and wild animals. And yet in this craziness, Paul encourages Christians who were living in his culture and living in his society, he encouraged them, run to the word of God. Not just once, but daily run to the word. Allow the truth of the word to influence you and to change you. He believed that regardless of what culture you belong to, what society surrounded you, you, by the power of God, would have the ability to live the victorious life that God has called you to live. The word of God might transform your way of thinking and change your way of living. He believed that if you gave the word permission, it would influence your day-to-day decision-making. The word would be like post-it notes from God, little messages that would remind you of what it means to be a Christian, a Christ follower a disciple of Jesus, regardless of where or when you are living. Paul believed that. Listen to what Paul says to Timothy. This is 2 Timothy chapter 3. Listen to this. is so good. And bless you. He says, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Skip down to verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium and at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire, listen to this church, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, but as for you, put your name in there, (laughs) 
But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Hallelujah. This is amazing. Paul says, look at how the world lives. Timothy, look in these end times. Timothy, be aware. They're lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but they're denying its power. But you, Timothy... Timothy, wake up. That's not you. I know that's not you because you, Timothy, you've been feasting on the word. And so he tells Timothy, but as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and what you have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood, Timothy, you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Timothy, the world is doing crazy things. Humanity seems to be lost in its rebellion against God. In their pride and their selfishness, you can just see them feeding and consuming on the things of this world. But Timothy, you feed from a different trough. Since your childhood, you have been feeding on the vibrant, alive, sacred writings, the very words of God, words which point you to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is showing Timothy and showing us the difference between a person who maybe has heard the word of God or heard about the word of God. That person compared to one who is not just hearing the word, but listening to it and doing what it says. And Paul encourages Timothy, keep on feeding Timothy. Keep on feeding Timothy. Timothy. He says, Timothy, you're in the last days, and you're going to face days of difficulties, but stay true to the word. It is the nourishment that is going to get you through this life. And Paul finishes by saying this, all scripture, Timothy, it's breathed out by God, and it's profitable, it's useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God, the woman of God, may be complete, equipped, for every good word. Do you believe that, church? Yeah. Yeah, we'll just put those right there. Obviously, I um, do not have the gift of hospitality, but I'm trying my best. Yeah. The word of God is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, training in righteousness. And I love that. There's this long list, and then there's a promise after the list, isn't there? It says the Word of God does all these amazing things. It teaches, disciplines, corrects, trains, and righteousness so that, listen to this, so that the man of God or the woman of God may be, what? May be, anyone remember? May be complete. Everyone say complete. Complete. Equipped for every good work. Say, com say equipped for every good work. Let's get this in our brains. Say complete. complete. Say equipped for every good work. Equipped for every good 
Do you believe that? That you are taught, disciplined, corrected, trained up by the word so that you can be equipped for every good work. I tell you, I am always encouraged as I read this verse. I've read this verse, what, hundreds hundreds of times, but I am always encouraged that God has prepared in advance good works for me to do. But what's great about that is he doesn't just like say, well, good luck. No, he says, I'm going to train you. I'm going to equip you. (laughs) You got this. (laughs) You're going to be able to do what I've called you to do. Anyone else encouraged by the gift of God's word that gives us what we need to be complete, equipped for every good work? That verse tells you that you're trained in righteousness by the word. You're trained up. I love that he uses the word trained. And it's important that we understand this. If you give permission, the word will train you. And think about your life. Have you ever been trained for, or, or trained for something before? When you train, or if you trained, whether it was sports or spelling bee or whatever it was, did you just train once? Not, not if you want to be any good at it. I mean, can you imagine if the Olympians went to Rio and they just trained once? That would be ridiculous. By the way, they wouldn't be Olympians. (laughs) There would be no way they would make it to the Olympics if they trained only once. And yet, as gentle as I can say this, that is how so many Christians try to live the Christian life. Like 20 years ago, I accepted Christ and and I got real serious and I read through the Bible. And now I'm just kind of giving life my best shot. That's a recipe disaster that was never what the christian life was intended to be no training in righteousness it is an everyday affair again listen to paul as he talks to timothy in first timothy chapter four now he's addressing some false teachers these false teachers who are preaching doctrine that is not of god and he's telling timothy you might not enjoy this it might not be very fun for you but timothy guess what you're going to have to address this and so in chapter four paul writes this He says, now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God created is good. (laughs) Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is made holy by the word of God and prayer. Now, if you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths, Timothy. Rather, what does it say? Train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life, but also for the life to come. Paul's telling Timothy, reminding Timothy, be trained in the words of the faith and follow good doctrine. Train yourself in godliness. Timothy, train. And so again, Paul would remind all of us, as he reminds Timothy, that the word of God is not just an historical text to read once and put on the shelf. The word of God is not just to be a faint, distant memory. That the word, the words of God, they are to be fresh in your mind. The words of God are to be alive in your heart. It is the living, active, breathing, moving word of God that trains you up, that prepares you and me for this life. It equips us, it gives us what we need to do the good works that God has called us to do. 
It's our daily bread. Are you kidding me? Where am I going to put this? This is awesome. The daily bread. And yet, I often encounter Christians who are just trying to live the Christian life without feeding on the word. And if, if that's you, let's just be honest. You are relying on old manna. You are relying on the glory days, right, of training. Maybe back when you were in college, or maybe some of us it was when you were in youth group. Or maybe even you're, you're relying on the things from Sunday school, right? You, you remember, oh yeah, and we memorized scripture and we evangelized on the streets and we worshiped till the wee hours in the morning and we went on prayer retreats and we did this and we did that. All these great memories somehow anemically, almost pathetically kind of keep you putting in the faith, barely moving you forward compared to what the Lord wants to do in you and through you that he would want to remind you that there is power in training now in this moment feeding now on the food that God has for you not what he had for you 20 years ago or 10 years ago or last year or last month or even last night but today right now Feast on what the Lord has for you today. Your most powerful experience that you have ever had with the Lord could happen right now, today. Feast on the word of the Lord. Be trained up by the word of the Lord. For instance, I'll give you an example of my own life. Last Thursday, it was so powerful, I marked down the date. June 23rd, I was reading 1 Timothy chapter 6. And I came across the passage. I had read it a hundred times, but instead of just reading it as a familiar text, I opened up my heart to receive it as training. I gave the word permission to train me up. I gave the word permission to feed me, to be trained by it, and to be fed by it. And so before I even began to read, I purposely asked the Lord to teach me and to train me. And as I read it with this attitude, with this posture, I'm telling you, church, the words pierced my soul. This is what it said. But people, verse 9, who long to be rich, fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierce themselves with many sorrows. But you, Timothy, but you, Dan, you are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. And I charge you before God, who gives life to all, and before Christ Jesus, who gave the good testimony before Pontius Pilate, that you obey this command without wavering. Then no one can find fault with you from now until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. Church, it was this beautiful gift from God to me. It was as if he laid out the gift of his word, a training, a teaching, a nourishment for me to receive. And as I read it over and over and over again, the word just began to correct me and rebuke me. 
disciplined me, trained me. It's it just all the things that the word would do. It began to have this profound effect on me, not just on the outside of me, but on the inside, on my heart, on my attitude. Church, when was the last time you let the word of God not just make you look better on the outside, but pierce your very soul to affect your heart and your mind? It's not going to force its way in. You have to give it permission. But as you give it permission, listen to what Hebrews 4.12 tells us. The word of God, it's living, it's active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow. It goes deeper. It discerns the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I want to challenge you this morning. Is the word alive, living and active in your life? It's interesting. I find a lot of Christians want it to be alive, living, and active in other people's lives. Like, oh God, would you just zing them, right? God, would you just show them? But in your own life, are you open? Have you given the word permission to be living, moving, breathing, active in your life? Where it would go deeper, 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 discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Church, I just want to challenge you in this. And I hope for all of us who are maturing in our faith that we would give God's word permission to dive deeper into our souls, even to the deepest parts of who we are. Could we be a people of the word? Right? I mean, as a pastor, you want to get me excited and get goosebumps? The idea of us as a body to say we are a people of the word of God. We do not come in as if we know everything. We come in yielded and surrendered to whatever instruction God might want to give us by his holy word. You want to get me excited where I can't sleep at night? It would be that I knew that we were just lovers of the word of God, yielding, surrendered to whatever he might want to say to us. Because, you know, maybe this doesn't happen at this church, but a lot of churches, that's not how we live. We live based on all the righteousness that we already knew, right? We are so righteous. We are so arrogant and prideful in churches. We come in knowing all the answers, and I will just hang out with all you weak people that need the Lord, and I will minister to you, compared to one who is actually yielding, saying, you know what? I am anemic. I am hungry. I am thirsty. I need the word of God to feed me and to give me drink. The humbleness, the humility to actually receive from the Lord compared to the pride and arrogance of so many Christians. What if we just, we, we presented ourselves humbly before the Lord and said, train us up. We want to learn. Teach us. Correct us. And so the question is simple. What role does the Bible have in your life? What place does it have? Is it merely a historical text written in the past for a previous generation? Maybe is it just a book of wisdom that you can kind of pick and choose which parts you want to follow and which parts you don't? Or is it something more powerful than that? Is it the living word of God, which is useful right now in this moment, useful to train us up in righteousness, to correct, to discipline, to give us the instruction which leads to eternal life in Jesus? Is it our daily bread? Or has it begun to grow maggots and maybe even begun to smell? As you ponder these questions, I want us to watch this video together. For some people, their experience with God is 
existential or their concept of God is made up. And I think that the Bible is really the only way that we can know God. The Bible explicitly points to Jesus. The Bible explicitly teaches us how to live, how to know God rightly, how to obey, how to become dependent on Him. The Bible is a huge, it's a huge part of it. And that's really the, that's the starting point of experiencing God. Because if you leave it up to yourself, then who knows what you'll conjure up in your own mind. And I think as you begin to read the Bible and the Holy Spirit opens up your heart and your mind, it's crazy, but this Bible changes you. It changes everything. You begin to see God for who He is. You begin to see how affectionate He is towards you. You begin to see how much He loves His people. You can't know that without the Bible. I used to hear people all the time tell me, well, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Well, how, how, do, how do we know that? How, how do we know that? Well, I just know. I just feel it. And that's cool. I mean, it's true. But for someone like me, I needed to know, how do you know that? And I think the Bible is explicitly clear. It tells you. The whole Bible, Old Testament all the way to the New Testament, points to Jesus. My purpose in life is to love God, love people, and bring Him glory. And I know that purpose because He tells me that in the Scriptures. He says that Jesus loves me. But how do we know this? But He tells us. He says, because the Bible tells us so. How do we know that Jesus loves us? Well, we see it demonstrated in the narrative and the story of the Bible. There's this intense love, the love of the Father demonstrated in the death of His Son who dies to take away our sins, to give us eternal life, <laughs> reconciled back to the Father. But now compare that message of the Father's love that is found in the Word compared to the message of this world. The message of this world, which is being projected loud and clear day after day through media outlets, through news channels, through movies, TV, social media. We already read the Apostle Paul's account of what people will be like in these last days. These people, they are preaching their message loud and clear. God is dead. And so if we're going to live this victorious, abundant, joy-filled Christian life, you're going to need something more than just a faint memory of a Sunday school lesson you once heard when you were younger. In these last days, you're going to need fresh manna right now, right here. So as we close, I, I wanted to give us this opportunity. I'm going to take us to the gym for a little bit of training. I want to read some scriptures so that we might be equipped for what God has in store for us today. So Lord, train us by your word. Teach us by your word this morning. Reveal your heart for this world. Romans 5.8, that God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Some of you need this verse today. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 John 4, 16, so we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for us, God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. 1 John 4, 10, and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. John 10, this is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came so that they might have life and have it, what? Abundantly. I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You might be wandering today. You might have some questions today. You might have more questions than answers. You need to know, I am the way, Jesus says. I am the truth, Jesus declares, and the life, he pronounces. No one comes to the Father except through me. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, let these truths wash over you today. We are living in a society and a culture that is bombarded with the lies of the world and the lies of the enemy. And I have seen my closest friends actually begin to believe some of the lies of Satan himself. So we must remember the truth of God's word right now, right here. John 3, 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Romans eleven twenty two. Note then the kindness and the severity of God. Severity toward those who have fallen, but God's kindness to you. Provided you continue in his kindness, otherwise you too will be cut off. First John three sixteen. But we know love that. But this we know love that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Acts four twelve. And there is salvation to no one else, for there. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Titus 3, for we ourselves, we were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. John 5, 24, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes in them who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but he has passed from death into life. John 5, 39, 40, Jesus says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. And yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Church, feast on the word. There is so much life in the word, so much food and nourishment in the word, and it all points to Jesus. As you search the scriptures, the scriptures point to Jesus. As you read the word, the word points to Jesus. 
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Church, we got to come to Jesus. The scriptures point to Jesus. Eternal life is found in Jesus. The word, it is a gift of God's love. It is a gift of God's love for you. It is a gift to train you up in righteousness. It is a gift to give you the nourishment you need. It is a gift for you to be able to draw closer and closer and closer to Jesus. That by the Holy Spirit, uh, as he works through the word, you are actually conformed and transformed into the image of Christ. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Your heavenly Father has not left you alone. He has not abandoned you. He has given you his word to give you the nourishment you need, to give you the, the resource and, 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 and the food that you need to live the life that he's called you to live where you would be complete being able to do all that he's asked you to do created for you to do the word of god it is time to feast on the word again if anything i just hope you're excited to go home and open up the word of god because god desires to speak to you amen amen Today, it's, it's the first Sunday of the month, and this is usually when we, when we receive communion. And communion, it was something started by Jesus. Remember, he was with his disciples, and he broke the bread, and he said, this is my body broken for you. And he took the cup, and he said, this is my blood shed for you. And he gave us this command to do this in remembrance of him until the day that he would return. Well, on this day where we're celebrating God's word and, and how his love is demonstrated for us in this daily bread of his word, it's really important, I believe, for us to take communion together. At the beginning of the Gospel of John, listen to what John writes about Jesus. This is about Jesus. Listen to this. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. When John is talking about the word, who is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus. On this day where we celebrate the word of God, let's celebrate the word made flesh. Jesus, the eternal word. If you want a verse to memorize, memorize this. John chapter 6. 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be thirsty again. Whoever believes in me, or will never be hungry again, but whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Church, let's remember his body broken for us, his blood shed for us. Remember that this book, this collection of God's words, they ultimately point and illuminate the eternal word, Jesus Christ. So with the time that we have left, let's use this moment right now, 10.03 on a Sunday morning, to receive the nourishment that comes by and through the life and death of our Lord Jesus Christ.